Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Mark 11, 1 through 11. And as they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately, as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? You say, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door, outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were saying to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they spoke to them, just as Jesus had told them, and they gave them permission. And they brought the colt to Jesus and put their garments on it, and he sat upon it. And many spread their garments on the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were crying out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking all around, he departed for Bethany with the twelve, since it was already late. We, uh, our route to school, so I have uh, twin daughters, second grade, and uh, the route to their elementary school takes us by McDonald's uh, every morning. And so it's been, what, nearly three years now, and uh, again, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and uh, I, uh, it occurred to me as I was thinking about this morning, I've never once, we've never once stopped for breakfast, right? And I'm like, what a terrible dad, right? Here's this beautiful, well, some of you are thinking, why would you ever stop at McDonald's for breakfast? But, uh, you know. Uh, but but uh, over the, it started in kindergarten, uh, p- pretty early on, one of our mornings, I don't know how or why, uh, but as we drove sort of along the streets, kind of came up to the stoplight, we noticed a school bus in the parking lot uh, at, at McDonald's. Are you guys familiar with the Lego movie? Anybody remember the theme song from the Lego movie? Everything is awesome, right? Everything is cool when you're, right? Yes. No? All right. Well, anyway. Interestingly enough, right, so I don't know how it happened, but as we drove by this McDonald's, uh, the syllables were the same. It just fit. We, we, we fell into like, school bus at McDonald's, school bus at McDonald's, right? Just, it's, you're, it's ridiculous. I know that, right? I'm well aware of that. But for three years, every time we drive by, every morning, if there's a school bus there, we celebrate and we sing, Right? When there's not, it sets a tone, a bad tone for the rest of the day, right? In fact, this week, right, this week we're approaching, you'd think by now I'd be used to it, but uh, we're approaching and uh, I hear an exclamation from the back seat. I'm like, what, 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 what? And she's like, there's four school buses, right? Four, right? School bus at McDonald's. Well, why, why, why? I, you know, it's been a hard year. You got to celebrate the little things, right? But it occurs to me, my hunch is like, as it started, you know, three years ago, uh, I think it, it, it helped us. It served as a marker for us. For my kids when they were kindergartners, it was a marker that we were like, we were going in the right direction. They knew where we were. They knew they were on the way to school. It, it just, it, it, it placed them, right? Uh, for me, it was a marker of how late we were to school, right? If they were there and if they weren't, it was a pretty good indication of uh, whether we would be on time. I want to suggest to you that Palm Sunday uh, is, is that kind of moment. 
uh, that as people are waving palm leaves and laying branches on the ground and draping their cloaks, all stuff that seems really weird to us, but you know, it's a ticker tape parade. That's what's happening here. They're, they're welcoming Jesus and victory, right? Like uh, as this is happening, it's, it's full of this sort of uh, a, a kind of marker kind of moment. They know where this thing is headed. And, and we read it here, so we, we get all the details up front that Quentin read for us, but, you know, Jesus selects a, a donkey and sends his disciples, and they bring it back, and then we pick it up in verse 7. They brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on it. He sat on it, and then he spread them on the road, the branches they'd cut from the fields, and they shouted, right, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king, the coming kingdom of our father, David, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, I want to suggest to you that where we start this morning is, is a place that you probably know and me, that it's just thick with expectations, right? That this is a moment uh, we hear what they're saying, that they are full of hope, right? That Hosanna is a word that's just full of, of so much anticipation and expectation. They're looking back, right? Uh, just a, a bit of context here. So, um, all these references to David, but just a, a bit of context, right? So in Mark's gospel, Jesus has sort of been on the periphery. Right? He's been out maybe in the backwoods, if you will, of, of Galilee. And word is growing. Incredible things have been happening. But now he turns to Jerusalem, and he's entering Jerusalem. Uh, but, but even perhaps a little more sort of historical context, scholars uh, are, are suggest or uh, seem to, uh, what's the word, agree that uh, around the same time Pilate, so the, the Roman official leader uh, here in this region and, and province at around the same time that Jesus is sort of entering Jerusalem in a moment of celebration and triumph, that across town, uh, Pilate himself uh, was entering the city with his own sort of triumphant uh, moment. In a sense, right, so just a, a little broader context here, historically, in a sense, Pilate's saying, man, I know you guys are celebrating King David and, and you're God's people and all that, but just to be clear, the Romans are your masters. Right, so I know you guys are excited and kind of celebrating this, but we just want to be really upfront about this and just make it clear we're still in charge. Right, so into this moment, Jesus rides into town on a donkey, uh, and, and, and the people are celebrating, calling to mind, right, for us doesn't mean much, but oh, here comes a king in the line of David, right? So they're, they're going back to minor prophets in the Old Testament, like Zechariah, that have told them, your king will come humbly. He'll be riding on a donkey. These, all of these markers so that now in this moment, uh, in this instance, as they look back, as they, as they hear echoes of things they've been anticipating and hoping for, uh, it's as though, you know, they're singing, right? School bus at McDonald's, if, if you'll allow me that uh, move, right? That there, there is in this moment a, a marker, an indicator. We know where this is going, right? We know enough to know where this is going. Finally, our liberator is here. Right? Time for him to resurrect us out of the ruins of our lives, which is where we've been sitting the last few weeks, broken and shattered expe uh, expectations and misplaced priorities. In the midst of all of that, under the thumb of the Romans, finally, one has come who will drive them out. A king in the way of David uh, who will reestablish his people. This is Palm Sunday. This is the moment we celebrate. So the palm branches are out, right? And full of expectation, anticipation, and hope. School bus at McDonald's. We know where this is going, which makes, which makes the last couple of verses of our reading to me 
all the more remarkable. And if we could put up verse 11 here, right? So uh, in a moment full of hope and expectation, we read, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. And after looking around at everything, he went out to Bethany with the 12 since it was already late. Again, if we could set the stage, right? So all of this expectation and hope, they're cheering, they're celebrating. Our liberator is here. Jesus rides into town, looks around, and then rides right on out, right? So it's as if for you, perhaps, and me, full of expectation and hope that things will be different. We we find Jesus in this moment defying our expectations in all the wrong ways. In all the wrong ways, right? The, 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 The excitement is palpable, Jesus is going to change our status, our state. He's going, to, he's going to set us free. And so he rides into town, takes a look around, and then just scoots right on back out to the burps, right? Uh, it feels, again, just as readers, right, just us kind of reading the story, it just it feels so anticlimactic. You, you're reading the intensity, the fervor is growing, and here it just feels deflating. Like all the air is being let out of this thing before it ever really takes off. And I, I wonder for you and some of you in, in your own, me, in our own experiences of faith, our talk of a relationship with Jesus. The, the, the Jesus, I think at times, perhaps for you, feels like he seems to kind of walk into the middle of your life. Maybe into the ruins of your sort of broken expectations. Has a look around and then just keeps right on, right on going. And that feeling of like, man, what, what, what's, what's happening here? I thought I knew where this was going. You were supposed to make a difference, and stuff doesn't seem to be changing. What's worse in Mark, we didn't read it this morning, but what's worse is that this hint, right, of Jesus sort of defying their expectations at this moment, it just uh, exponentially increases. Uh, that that, that he, it just intensifies over the next few pages. In fact, if you keep reading Mark's gospel, All right, so out of this moment, our liberator has come, Hosanna, to save us. What happens next? We find as Jesus comes back from the burbs, back into town, he enters the temple and starts flipping tables, right? Goes into the house of the people he's come to liberate and starts knocking over their tables. We find him cursing a fig tree. Weird, right? It's bizarre. And many think an expression of like an indictment against his people. There's no life here. And so he he curses a fig tree. He starts telling stories and parables, stories like these are all the ways you have mistreated the people God has sent to speak to you. Talking even about the end of the world. And then we get this moment where uh, there's this weird interaction. They come to him, religious leaders come to him, and they, they, they're like, look, all right, we got the Roman oppressors. We thought you were here to liberate us, right? All this question of taxes. Should we pay taxes to Caesar, right? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus, maybe you know the story, essentially refuses to kind of engage them. He says, whose image is on that coin? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's, right? What? What's, what's happening here? You can almost feel it, right? You can hear it in the question. Wait a minute. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to be here to set us free from the Romans. Whose side are you on? We're talking about paying taxes to the Romans. You're supposed to be here to set us free, but it feels like you're coming after us, right? right? You, you're supposed to be here sort of fighting them on our behalf, and it feels like, it feels like you're coming after us. What? What gives? What gives? It's interesting. 
I think in the story of Mark's gospel, in this moment of defying expectations, Jesus is refusing to be the kind of king and conqueror that they want, the kind of, 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 of leader and liberator that they think they need. And I think what happens to them is what happens to all of us often in our story of faith. That when, when, when church, when Jesus, when faith it doesn't quite meet our expectation, what we thought it would be, our journey of life with him, whatever it is, full of doubts and questions, all those things, right, that, that whenever it, it starts to maybe not add up to how we thought this was going to go, what happens to us is what happens to them. We start to resent him. He's not who they thought he would be, not doing what they wanted him to do, and in just a few days, they go from Hosanna to crucify. In just a few days, they move from sort of full of expectation and hope to shattered and broken because he wasn't who they thought he would be. I have been reading, uh, I've been reading some science fiction. Before your eyes glass over, hang with me just a minute, right? Um, I've learned some tricks being married for a few years. Don't say, I was listening to this podcast, because immediately she'll glassy eyes, right? Uh, also, hey, I'm reading this science fiction book. Same response, okay? So, uh, but ha hang with me here. But I've been reading this science fiction book, uh, and it feels, sounds like a bad joke. It's about Jesuit priests, uh, space travel, and aliens, right? It just feels like a bad joke, I know. But uh, it's been incredible, and I know some of you, I think, are reading it, so I'll, I, won't, I won't give any spoilers here. But it's occurred to me, sort of reading, as, as you might expect when it comes to space travel, um, that uh, they, they play their experience of time changes, right? So they're between worlds, and they're traveling, and light speed, and all that stuff. You get nerdier minds than mine are probably sorting all that out in this moment. But, but time starts to feel elastic, Right? And, and, and they're sort of in between spaces and, and, and they leave one earth and land in another and going back and forth and all of this. And what they find is, is as time seems to change around them, when they finally get their feet on the ground, oftentimes the circumstances are different than they expected, different than they had anticipated. The situation on the ground, just very, very different. I think we know this feeling. And I think Palm Sunday pulls us right into the heart of it. I wonder if your experience, right, like a parent, maybe, maybe you're a parent, you have little ones, right? You're sleep deprived and, uh, right, the world around you kind of continues to move at a regular pace, but your experience with feet on the ground, oh, you know, life just, it's different. Time moves at a different pace. Maybe you're in a, a season of suffering. Maybe it's an experience of grief. The world around you continues moving at the same pace. But for you, time, time is elastic. And, and the, the, the situation on the ground in your life just feels different. Maybe it's a time of transition. You're between places. You're not where you were, but not where you wanted to be. And you're kind of in this weird space. And, and uh, you know, again, you're just kind of going along. Time keeps moving. But for you, it's this elastic space where your experience on the ground, different maybe a dead end, maybe you feel stuck, nothing's changing. I, I, I wonder if it's often at those moments that the feelings of Palm Sunday just find their way into our hearts and lives. Whatever our expectations were of Jesus and what he could do of faith, they just seem to be broken. He's not who we thought he was not doing what we thought he would do or what we would like for him to do for us and it's good and right, like we need help, right? It just the situation on the ground doesn't add up. Time just starts to shift a bit. If Jesus is showing up at all, 
just feels like he's walking in, looking around, moving right on out the other side of our lives. And you're thinking, God, I just want to see some school buses, right? Where are the school buses? I just want to know I'm headed in the right direction. I want to know that I know where this is going. I, I, I want to suggest to you this is precisely the place where the gospel meets you and me, the good news of God's grace in our lives. That yes, Palm Sunday, I think, affirms Jesus defies our expectations in all the wrong ways. But this is really good news. That here in this moment, what Jesus says to his people, you think I came to conquer the Romans? Sure, that's a part of it. Uh, But no, I came to conquer sin and death for you and for them. Right? You, you, you think I came, you want to conscript me into your purposes for life and, 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 and all of this. And sure, there's evidence for that. And, and they're drawing on history, like, but, but it's, it's limited, it's narrow. Their perspective of time and space, if you will, is uh, adversely affected by the situation on the ground. And, and they want to conscript him much as we do into their purposes. But Jesus instead invites them into his He's told us just a a few paragraphs earlier in Mark, I have come to give my life as a ransom for many, to set them and you free from sin and death. That somehow, defying expectations, even of his readers then and of your life and mine now, somehow the suffering servant in Mark, suffering, Jesus always talking about suffering. He's trying to, he's at least preparing them, you know, but that somehow that person, is the son of God who's come to work life where everywhere around you is ruin. I think it's, it's the beauty of, of what we're gonna celebrate with communion. That the way Jesus kind of steps into that space of broken expectations in your life and mine, he doesn't come running over you, conquering in that way, but instead laying his life down meeting you and me in the ruins of our shattered expectations and in that place offering life. Maybe as you ha- have a palm branch, maybe take that palm branch in your hand for just a moment, right? As you hold this, this, uh, this image, right, for you, this tangible uh, leaf, if you will, uh, maybe for you, it's just a bunch of deflated hosannas, right? Just a bunch of, 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 of empty, broken expectations, I don't know what those might be for you, but as you hold that, as you think about that space in your life, I want you to hear the the hope of the gospel, that Jesus didn't come to fix what's broken around you. And he will do that. He uh, he will do that. He did it uh, (laughs) to the Romans. He, he, He will do that, but he didn't just come to fix what's broken around you, but what's broken within, within you. Within you, sin and death, that has followed us for so long. Jesus, laying his life down, breathes life into the ruins of the effects of sin and death in your life and mine, which brings us to communion. Which brings us brings us to communion. The, the very moment, all right, so while we're defying expectations, the very moment when Jesus is being rejected, right, you, do, you have not lived up to our expectations of you, so much so that you will be crucified that in this very moment, moments of rejection, 
broken expectations, we hear him say, forgive. The the hope of the gospel for you and me, even there, that even in our rejection, our resentment, perhaps of broken expectations, our sort of pushback, God, you are not who I thought you would be. We hear the gospel. Father, forgive them. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.